Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. We're also joined by Mike Fawkes, co-founder and director of IoTech, who provide a cloud service solution to connect Internet of Things devices with end-to-end authenticated encrypted security. That's longer to say than, uh, than it looks when it's uh, written down. Um, so we're going to be talking to Mike about uh, all things cybersecurity and um, and IoTech uh, recently being selected for a GCHQ Cyber Accelerator. Welcome, Mike. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us and you too. Welcome, Hello. welcome to you Hello. too. <laughs> yes, I am here. Um, yeah, so thanks for, thanks for joining us, Mike. Um, I guess uh, we should start off with uh, a bit about your, your background and, and how you got to now. Right, so I've been in uh, computing for uh, more years than I care to remember. Um, Have um, we all? Sorry? <laughs> sorry? <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more for me. Yeah. Um, and... Over about three or four years ago, we started looking um, at uh, applications where cybersecurity was a problem, and it was really was just as um, as it started to hit they hit the newspapers that that cyber and what you need to do to protect yourself when you're using using the internet or using computers started to become come to the fore, hitting the press, and uh, since then, of course, it's just got dramatically worse. Almost day by day by day. So, we started look, looking at that particular uh, area, and the the one that kind of really caught our attention was the uh, was the Internet of Things. What, what 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 was it in particular that caught your attention? Was the the, the, the I, and and how well known how how familiar was the term um, at this point to right. kind of the wider it, it probably wasn't uh, to, to to be honest and and the internet of things is something again which has kind of come to people's uh, attention um, the predictions now are that there'll be over 50 billion devices uh, connected to the internet by 2020 and the vast majority of those are being built by people who don't know about cybersecurity and that that's not intended as any sort of, of, of criticism. They're, they're brilliant at doing what they do. Uh, the devices they make are very clever. The user interfaces are very clever. But the specialised area that goes in the middle, uh, of course, isn't. So kind of our light bulb moment was we were working on a, a very simple device, which um, was a small microprocessor-based unit with a temperature probe. And you put the temperature uh, probe in the fridge, and then if the power went or if the, the temperature rose in the fridge, you got a text alert to tell you that there was a problem with your fridge. Kind of quite a simple, mm-hmm. simple idea. And we were trialing this um, in a, a restaurant uh, belonging to my, my partner. So I was on the, on the phone to him and I was monitoring the results as we were talking about it. And it was 11 o'clock in the morning and I noticed there was a spike in the temperature. So the temperature in this, this, this restaurant fridge has started to go up. And when I looked at the records, it turned out that 11 o'clock the previous day there'd been a spike as well. And what we figured out, it was when the chef went in to open up the restaurant in the morning, and the first thing he did was prop the the fridge door open Mm to take all the food out so he could prepare lunch. What we realised was that I now knew that that building with last night's takings in it was empty until 11 o'clock every morning. Mm. So that was my time to rob it. And we then realized it's the inadvertent disclosure of information, which is the real, the real problem. Right. So, so it's not, um, you know, people using IT devices to create massive botnets because they're unsecured and they can get in and use those compute resources and deploy them for nefarious means <sighs> so much. Well, it, it wasn't three years ago, right. but it definitely is now. Right, okay. Um, so what, what's happened is that as these de- devices started to, to proliferate and people saw that there were so many security weaknesses uh, in them, they then started looking at ways that they could could exploit them. Yeah. And you know, you, to be honest, you have to take your hat off to some of the people who've been doing this. I mean, they really are very clever. It's, 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 it's such creative, a shame that huh? they... That they don't work on the on, on the on good the white side. side. Yeah. Uh, can I can I come over to the white side from the dark side? Uh, but that that has now has, has now started to become a, a kind of a real threat because as these devices become more more powerful, 
um, and are connected and become insecure, mm. um, then then that's what happens. The Mirai virus that, that happened a, mm. a, a year or so was a good example, which took out most of the United States' access to the to the internet. Um, and that was half a million exploited cameras um, that, that caused that problem. So what exactly is it that IOTech does? Right. <laughs> we do, we, as, as, as the introduction said, we do end-to-end security for the Internet of Things. Um, so basically what, what we've looked at doing is, is writing the software um, that goes in the device which, secu- which secures that, that device. So we stop people getting into it in the first place and, and, and exploiting it. And then we take that data and we encrypt it and we save it in an encrypted database so that the data which is captured belongs to the person who owns it and nobody else can uh, can get hold of that. It turns out that that gives us other benefits as well. Um, and I'm sorry to kind of go in, into technical stuff, but mm-hmm. what, <clears throat> what we do is they, as well as the encryption, um, we have uh, authentication and integrity. And what I mean by that is that the authentication is so you know that the data that you're collecting comes from where you think it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And the integrity is that that data hasn't been tampered with at any stage in its, in its journey into your database. Mm-hmm. So those three things together. So if you think about when you use your computer and you go onto your online banking that's what you do. You authenticate yourself. You presume that nobody's listening and tampering with the transactions that you're trying to do. And you presume that the information uh, that you're sending is secret until it gets to your, to your bank. And it's kind of fairly obvious at that sort of level. But, of course, you're using quite a powerful computer as, mm. a, as a mobile phone or as a, as a laptop. Uh, if what you've, the device that you're working on is a, is a temperature Mm. sensor or a really low energy camera, device or all low energy which is a particular uh, mm. issue then they don't have anything like the same computing power so you can't use the kind of the standard techniques that, that that you use for larger computers you've got to engineer something that's much more efficient and energy efficient as mm-hmm. well um so that's what we've concentrated on and, um, and is that entirely in software or is... uh, yes okay yes so um not hardware encryption no, well, we, we will use if if the if the device has the capability of hardware encryption, then we will use okay. that. But it's it's really it's the flow of information. Hmm. Um, what what you get with a hardware encryption is is basic is a is a mathematical processor that mm-hmm. will do the encryption. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as a secure way of exchanging keys and knowing who you're talking to, and implementing it. And one of the biggest problems with, with, with implementing security is that if you implement it wrong, you think you're secure, but you're actually more insecure than, <laughs> than you right. would have been if you hadn't done anything. Okay, so there, there are blockchain-based um, s- services that do what sounds similar to what, I can't remember what the name of it is, but um, I've come across it for kind of you know, LoRaWAN-type yeah. applications. Um, but yours is yours blockchain based or is it? Uh, no, user? no, no. It's it, it's not. It's users kind of standard methods. Uh-huh. Again, if we go go technical, we <laughs> go both both symmetric, uh, symmetric and asymmetric uh, encryption keys. But basically, it's the, it's the things that that your banking would use. Right. So it's the same sort of thing. We don't we don't imp- implement our own. That's the absolute worst thing you can do is to yeah. design your own security algorithms. Uh, everybody frowns on you if you if you talk about that. Blockchain is quite an interesting technology um, for for this, um, but it's it, it's complicated doing that in the closed environment of of Internet of, of of things. And again, the way that blockchain works is that you need the whole, effectively, the whole block. So it, it works on the principle of of, of a chain set of transactions. So mm-hmm. for blockchain, you need the full chain to be able to authenticate the um, the, the information mm-hmm. that you've got. And bearing in mind that we're talking about very resource-constrained devices, it's not quite as easy to do it within that. Right. Within that. But there are some quite interesting applications there which we, we're kind of looking into for kind of other, other, other devices. Right. But generally, your approach is more efficient, you think? Yes, I mean we've designed it to be to, to for, for exactly that. I mean my my background is in that sort of low level uh, embedded mm-hmm. uh, computing, 
Uh, we've got other people in the company who have looked at LoRa uh, as, as being quite a good example of, uh, of of the kind of technology you can use for for transmitting information. Mm-hmm. But kind of our approach is that LoRa is the pipe that gets information from A to B. What we try to do is to secure the information inside the pipe. Mm-hmm. So even if the pipe is breached, um, your information and your data mm-hmm. is still is still secure. No one could crack it, even yeah. if they've got it. Um, so you were recently uh, accepted onto the GCHQ Accelerator. Could you tell us a bit more? Well, tell us what that is, I guess, and and how that came about. Yeah, um, it's turned out to be a, it's, it's a really exciting opportunity uh, for us. So, as part of the of the government's move into um, in, into protecting the country, they about it was I think it was a, a year and a half, two years ago, they announced their uh, one point nine billion pound expansion of, of, of efforts in cybersecurity. Uh, they formed the, the NCSC, which is the National Cybersecurity Centre. And one of the other uh, things that they looked at was to start an accelerator programme. So we're part of the second intake. The first one um, was uh, just over a year ago, and that was a three-month programme, mm-hmm. uh, as is a nine-month programme. And what they did was that they, there was a general call for, for companies who were interested in participating. There were 128 applicants from around the world um, who, who, who applied. And they whittled that down to um, uh, 40, I think it was, who had then had to go and do a, a formal presentation. Um, that was an amazing experience. It was in a, in, in a small room with about 25 judges um, there. From at, at GCHQ in Chelsea. No, no, no. It's uh, this. This was um, this was down in their centre in, in London, okay. uh, actually. So, um, and it's a mixture from kind of industry uh, investors, GCHQ, um, and the NC Bessie. Of course, nobody's identified. You've no idea who any of these people are. <laughs> no, no one's in uniform. No, no, not not at all. They um, introduced you as like Mr. Black and Mr. White. No, not even that. There's <laughs> the, there's no such thing as surnames. Everything is Christian names. Oh. It's oh. very confusing. You know, you kind of look at your contact list and you've got twelve people called Dave, and you have absolutely no idea who they are. And that's another story. So, um, and we had um, it was a three minute presentation. Now. To right, do something as it, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's taken me longer than that to kind of describe it to you. So we tried to pitch our entire business, our business plan, our future, our technology, who we are, and everything with it in three minutes. So anyway, we managed to get through the first one. Uh, that was then whittled down to I think it was sixteen, and then we had they had the final, and we were one of nine companies that were uh, that were selected. Wow. Is that is it the sort of thing that you've done before? Is this a kind of a, a way of? Get more, I'd say promoting the company is a bit more than that, isn't it? I, I, absolutely, no. It's it was it was our kind of first kind of kind of foray uh, in, into this, but it's turned out to be kind of wildly exceeded our expectations in terms of of, of, of what we get. So uh, we got some funding. There was a, a twenty five thousand um, pound kind of investment in us through through the program. Mm-hmm. And then we get a. Do that have strings? Is that equity based or? No, no, that no, that that was um, a, a stipend to help us through the through the program because it's a nine month right. program. That's good. Um, so we have a, an office in uh, in Cheltenham, um, but it's uh, non-avowed is the term that they use, which means I can't tell you where it is. Um, we have been told we can invite people to meetings, but we can't tell them where it is. We've not quite figured that one out yet. <laughs> you have to you have to get them to a car park and then yeah. blindfold yes. them. I think I think I think it, it's going to come down to that. I think yeah. Um, you could you could whisper it to us. No one's, no one's <laughs> nobody yeah, knows. No one's really yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, and then basically we we have three days a week down there uh, and and they arrange uh, kind of meetings for us and that's right across the board so we get to meet investors we get um, uh, kind of access to kind of to to, to, to business help the, the programs run by a group called Wira um, mm-hmm. they're part of Telefonica which is O2 mm-hmm. uh, effectively in the in the UK so we get access to. Um, to, to senior managers from from from, from Wira and Telefonica and basically all the other people they know, but from our perspective, what really makes the difference is that we also get uh, access to expertise and help from both the NCSC and GCHQ. Mm-hmm. So when we come out of this program, not only should we have kind of a commercial 
way forward um, and access to people who can fund us to take to, to really grow the business. But we will also come out with technical validation of the stuff that we're doing because we've got to meet the kind of people who mm. are who, who know what they're doing. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's not it's not a, not an officially recognised standard, but endorsement yes. from GCHQ well they, carries a lot yeah, of weight. They're it? specific that they don't endorse us yeah. uh, because because they can't. They're right. they're they're a government mm. a government body, but. But everybody acknowledges there's a kind of implied endorsement in as much as we wouldn't have got down there. Mm. We wouldn't have been selected if they didn't think we got something interesting. Mm. Would, would they let you complete the programme? No, no, they, I don't think they would. Even if they'd selected yeah. you based on your pitch and the initial stuff? Yeah, there were a couple in the first, in the, in the first cohort, the, kind of the, the first yeah. one, who, who kind of changed direction in terms of what they were doing, kind of yeah. pivoted their business. And I'm quite sure that was, that was kind of help right. and assistance from... Uh, for, from them, mm-hmm. but you know, it helps you refine what you're what you're doing when you've got people who are, you know, among the best experts in the world, kind of grilling you on your on your technology and asking you to draw things on whiteboards and and things. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's quite a pressure. Yeah, you're one. not going to fall through the through the cracks, are you? Absolutely, yeah. So it has been a just a, a huge opportunity for us. Well, uh, my next question is. Uh, would you, what advice would you give to other startups? And I think in this context, um, it sounds like you think it's something other startups might consider. This, yeah, I mean, this type, they, of, type of accelerator. I think one of the things which which has certainly changed is the whole kind of accelerator uh, kind of culture uh, that, that that's going on now. The a lot of a lot of the accelerators are much more focused now on on helping to develop businesses. Mm. And I have to say, I mean, the kind of the whole of the Wira program, I mean, we're just effectively a small part of it. I mean, they were selected to run um, the GCXQ accelerator mm. because they've got such a good reputation of running mm. a kind of small business uh, accelerators. The, I mean, they do have a stake, though. I mean, obviously, Telefonica, 5G's coming. They're going to have, they're going to need that kind of encryption to manage all of the Internet of Things portions of the 5G standard. Yes. I'm quite sure that that's why Telefonica are involved in it because right. effectively they get kind of first bite of the cherry in yeah. terms of, of all of them. I mean, they've got, I, I believe it's it's about 400 companies, I think, in, across the whole estate of uh, of accelerators. They've got some down in London, they've got some in Manchester. Um, I think, I don't know whether, whether they are now, or, but I think there's, there's a couple of others in the north that they're, that they're either planning or already got. And but they were still selected by GCHQ too. No, no, this was the, just just the, the just this cyber accelerator was the one from from GCHQ. Right. Yeah. Um, they have a number. They wire do a lot of, of of startups in all sorts of different mm-hmm. areas uh, from from all sorts of different but, uh, but, backgrounds. But GCHQ still put the accelerator provision out to tender, and Telefonica won the right. To, That's right. No. Yes. Yes. So you know, as, as you know, and it, it's interesting hearing them even talking about that. I mean, they. We've we've been told that this is the is the first accelerator program ever run by any security agency anywhere in the world. Huh. And nobody's done this before, mm. uh, and part of it is they want to become more agile and see what they can learn from the speed at which small business run, runs their business, mm-hmm. as opposed to this kind of kind of monolith. You know where it can take years sometimes to to do a decision, and particularly in cyber, obviously things are kind of changing so so fast. Yeah. Um, I think, to be honest, we we listen to them perhaps more than they listen to us at this at this stage. Um, but you know, can the the you know the conversations of 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 being good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean they 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 have put a lot of a lot into this, and we and we do get to meet. A lot more people than we expected. You know, the, the level um, of involvement that we've had in terms of helping us through what we're doing has, has certainly been been more than we expected. Mm-hmm. So your experience has been a great experience with this accelerator, yes. but obviously all accelerators are different and have different models. Yeah, I mean, certainly the the, the wire ones do seem to be very good. I mean, to kind of to, to kind of put a, a, a plug in for, <laughs> for, for for them. Um, um, you know, we we have found that the kind of the way that they've done things, the introductions that they make, and things are are, are good. And we certainly it, it gives us reach to people we wouldn't be able to talk to otherwise, which helps. Great. And what's next for IOTech? Um, basically, funding. Uh, we want to kind of kind of kind of get going now. Um, I want a large room of talented engineers work, working on our future. Um, 
But as with any startup company, it's it's not easy. Uh, we're pre-revenue, um, and that means it's very difficult to convince people to invest in this. The accelerator is a huge help because it does, it helps us show our our credibility. But what we're now looking for is uh, actively looking for for customers and proof of concepts um, and, and moving things uh, moving things forward. And is your plan to grow the business here in Sheffield? It is. Yes, uh, I'm Sheffield born and bred. Um, and I would very much like to to base what we do here, uh, and and there are a number of reasons uh, for that. Um, those people who don't live in Sheffield don't, you know, it's it's a really odd thing. It's this kind of you know odd odd city with steel steel mills and smoke up up in the north, and they don't they don't understand about Sheffield. Yeah, we can um, make more steel, but there's no smoke. <laughs> That exactly, exactly right. You know, and when you tell them that we're the fifth largest, whatever we are, the fifth largest um, um, sitting in in the country, that we've got two superb universities with seventy thousand students coming through, um, both of which on their on their computing departments and cybersecurity are are very very good, yeah. um, then it, it's an obvious place. It, it was funny because I listened to to part of the, the podcast with um at one disco mm. and he, he was saying the same thing you know that you know that there are a lot of talented engineers up there so i certainly intend to to debase certainly all of our development yeah here. hallam are opening their cybersecurity ops center aren't they next week is it yes are you are you part of that? Um, not not specific, not yet. Um, I, I do have connections there. I I I actually went and did when we first started iTech because uh, I needed a, a fast learning curve to 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 learn more about cybersecurity. Uh, I went back and did a master's degree at Hallam, which yeah. I graduated last year, um, and uh, they've now uh, persuaded me to join as an associate lecturer to. <laughs> To teach the next next uh, intake, so brilliant. Got quite close connections with. Well, uh, what with, a scouting opportunity that is! Absolutely, <laughs> and that's what I said to. Them. That's why I want to get involved. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you know, it's great. You know, when you've got a room full of, of students and they think that you're lecturing to them, and yeah. what you're actually doing is interviewing them. It's <laughs> great. You're going to be uh, inundated with apples, I suspect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, How many of you are there actually in the in the company? In the company there's um, there's um, five of us okay. at, at the moment. Yeah. Um, and just lastly, slightly, obviously on topic, but away from talking about IoTech specifically, um, just the potential security implications of the Internet of Things, or at least the perception on the things that we read in the media. Um, is it scaremongering or sort of written for headlines, or do you think there is a, a serious issue? I think there is, it is a very serious issue um, with... Um, cyber threats in general um, and the Internet of Things in, in, in particular. And part of the problem is making people people aware of that. And so if you've got a, um, a, a webcam or a toothbrush which is Bluetooth enabled um, and singing songs when you, when you brush your teeth, then the security implications of that are you know, kind of they're irritating, and you prefer it not to happen. But it's not necessarily the, kind of the end of the of the world. But if it's a, a pacemaker or a medical device, or if it's a nuclear power station or a manufacturing plant, then the consequences are are more serious. And the devices, smart meters, is a good example. I mean, that keeps on coming up in the in the press as you know, is our smart meters secure? But the question is, are they secure now and are they going to be secure in 10 or 15 or 20 years? Because that's their installed mm. life. And because all of these devices are being uh, are being put on the, on the internet, they're all, they're kind of, they're gateways into the internet. It, it's quite extraordinary when you think about it that the, 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 the structure that we use for our banking is the same structure that we're using for our toys and our, internet-enabled kettles and fridges and televisions and all of the rest of it. And that the, the, the Internet of Things devices are, are behind your protection. So they're behind all of your firewalls and all of the other things that we've put in place over the years to protect our networks. Mm -hmm. um, so there is definitely a, a, a problem. 
Lots of people talk about it. We decide to try and do something about it, but it's a massive problem. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's an additional problem with a lot of devices that communicate out, but don't communicate in as fast. Um, so firmware updates for lots of devices are difficult to do in some circumstances. Oh, very much so. And if you think about so it... You I mean, can't if just you, patch. No, but which, which of course is, is, is what you should do, but the patch has to come from the manufacturer. So... If you go out and buy one of these devices, and like a, you know, perhaps not a television because they're bigger companies, but you know, it, an intelligent kettle, right? And there have been instances of kettles being hacked and sending out spam emails. I mean, it sounds ludicrous, but they have the power to be able to do it. So the question is, are they going to be patched over the next couple of years after you've bought them? But what happens in two or three or four years' time? Because if that's come from a small manufacturer, he might not be in business anymore. If it's been imported from China, it's very unlikely that they're going to be supporting it. But you're still going to use that device for years to come. And that sitting on your, in, on your, on your network at home, potentially as a security threat, nobody's patching it then. Mm. My, uh, my smart meter is extremely secure. Because uh, it was stressing me out, so I chucked it in the cupboard. I decided just just to unplug it. I couldn't handle knowing how much uh, energy we were using. <laughs> yes, it's an interesting. I've, I've got a, an Alexa because I wanted to kind of know a bit more how about that work. But, yeah. but she actually lives in a cardboard box yeah. in the cellar because I'm not altogether sure that I trust her either. Sil- silently screaming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, they are. That is uh, the most. Well, it probably isn't. You're probably going to tell me otherwise. But it's certainly the most uh, probably well known. You know, Amazon Echo, now the HomePod from Apple, Google Home, all that kind of thing. Um, do we, should, we, should we be worrying about those kinds of things? Because I'm, I'm quite conscious of, uh, of the idea of it always listening, even though my phone is doing the same thing. But for some reason, I trust that more. <laughs> yes, it, it, it's a particularly difficult one. I mean, obviously, the kind of the large companies are are aware of the problems, and and they mm. do a lot of of of, of good work in, in in protecting that. But what's happening with with something like with those devices? They're now starting to become the hub of lots of other devices, and all, all of those links need to be to, to be secure. And that is is not necessarily something that that's happening as fast as it as it should do, but more awareness is good. You know? um, but on the other hand, of course, it costs money. Um, you know that if you're going to do that type of development, it's going to slightly increase the price of the of the unit. And if the unit's coming in from from China and it's designed as an ultra low cost, you haven't got any kind of wiggle room to add. So. We don't have all the answers and fusions. We, we just know there's a problem. We, mm. We're just doing our bit. We're just trying to at least solve some of it. Yes. Well, there's lots and lots of related problems, isn't yes. there? Yes, yeah. Um, so I, I was talking to um, a cybersecurity expert a little while ago um, uh, on the general subject of, of um, you know, what what would you do if you were setting up um, a centre of excellence for cybersecurity right now? And, and his opinion was um, that you need to look to see where the threat is going to emerge from. Um, and he had some ideas about what that might be, but you know, basically, you needed to you needed to do something in an area that you know other places hadn't kind of tackled yet. Mm. Um, so, what obviously you're focused on the Internet of Things. What what else is coming down the pipe? What what other major vectors are there that are on the horizon that we're not thinking about yet? I, I think I mean the the additional threats to to, to security. I mean, a, apart from. Um, just this kind of general proliferation now of of, of attacks uh, which are already happening, mm. either by individuals um, or state, uh, kind of criminal groups or, yeah. or or state mm-hmm. uh, state, atta- uh, state attacks as well, is we've got a we've got so many kind of technologies now which are kind of moving forward quite quickly. So things like artificial intelligence, uh, as an example, that. Kind of nobody quite knows yet where that's going to going to lead and what vulnerabilities that that might be able to to, to cause, and things like uh, crypto, uh, not uh, quantum computing, uh, which which is coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know is, is being talked about more and more, and that's going to give massive increases in in in. in Resources, particularly at the state level, obviously, on attack. So, so, so that's often talked about, you know, quantum cryptography as being a solution to a lot of these things, because it 
it provides for a level of encryption and security that we can't match currently. But you're saying that it could also be used to identify vulnerabilities well, better. Yes, well. yes. I mean that's that's a possibility. But you know, in the same way that 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 crypto encryption would be really good, you've got the power to be able to break existing methods right. of, of, of encryption as well, and that is certainly something that needs to be looked at. I, I'm always slightly worried that when I talk to everybody. Every, every, the normal reaction after people have talked to me for a while is that they kind of unplug their computer and they kind of go <laughs> bury it in a hole, in the, you know, in the, in, out, out, out in the garden and, you know, oh, it's all yeah. scaremongering. Um, yeah, you and, ignore and, it or you just like put your tinfoil hat on and... Yeah, yeah. That, and I think that, that, you know, it's almost that the kind of the threats are almost overstated sometimes and it's, oh, well, if it's that bad, there's nothing I can do about it, I'll just carry on anyway. But, you know, you alluded to a couple of the other things, things like regular patching. You know, so when your operating system sends you updates, apply them. Don't click the I haven't got time button, kind of do it. And with things like that, you can become much safer, much more, much more quickly. Mm. Um, and passwords, of course, passwords is always a, is an always issue. But good passwords will make a huge difference to, to your safety mm. online. It's worth investing in a password manager. Password managers are as a good one. Don't use don't use your dog's name. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, using phrases and sentences is a really good way of getting complex passwords, which you can easily remember. Yeah. You know that you know Mike is a horrible password, but you know my name is Mike and I'm born in Sheffield. You know would be yeah. would be much more. Much, much more resilient. Please don't try that, people. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I don't use that particular one. No. No, not since I found out that Michael actually is the, is is on the top ten most used words passwords. <laughs> apparently, for some really? bizarre reason, and it can't all be me. Marvelous. Well, I think that's probably covered it. That's fantastic. Thank you for coming and speaking to us, Mike. Thank you for your time. Yeah, that was fantastic. Fantastic. Thank Thanks a lot. Mike. Right on to local Sheffield digital news. News that's happening in Sheffield that is digital. Um, there is a, a directory that we want uh, businesses to add themselves to um, that's going to go to uh, to China, all of China. It's not quite true. Not Tell us about it, Mel. Um, so Invest Sheffield, which is the inward investment part of what was called Creative Sheffield and isn't anymore, uh, would... Growth, asked, growth Sheffield, right? I don't know. It's Growth Sheffield. Is it? Yes. Well, I, I used that and they told me it was wrong. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, Sorry. this will annoy Ian because he's told us to be fast and get to the point. <laughs> okay, so we're working with Invest Sheffield because they want to pull together a directory of Sheffield-based digital businesses who are interested in exploring opportunities in China. Now, this might be that you'd like to work with Chinese companies, you'd like to sell product or services to Chinese companies, you would like to collaborate with Chinese companies. And this directory will be done in online and possibly print form as well, and will be used particularly in Chengdu at the Chengdu High Tech Industrial Development Zone, where Creative Sheffield, that was, are thinking of opening some kind of a base. Now, Chengdu is one of the three most populated cities in Western China, and there are millions and millions of people there and millions of digital businesses. So it's a really good opportunity. If you want to get yourselves in the directory, find the blog post on Sheffield Digital. There is a link from there to a very short Google form that we're using to collect information. We need that from you as soon as possible. The deadline was the 28th of February, but I'm going to try and push that a little bit. And we will check with you with your listing before we publish anything. So if you need to change stuff, we can do that later. The important thing is I need you to fill the form in. When you say digital businesses, is it any particular type or is it just anyone related to? I would encourage anyone who's interested in this to fill it out. We may have to do a bit of editing depending on what Invest Sheffield want to focus on. There's a whole list of specialisms where you can check off which ones you think apply to you. But there is also an other category. So I've already had one business come back and say, oh, we're not in the list. Can we fill it in? And I said, yes, and please just complete the other category. Because what we need is quantity of businesses and, and a mm. good cross-section. And then we can create a directory that really showcases the city well. Any particular size business or? Nope, doesn't matter. Anyone who's interested. Okay, fantastic. Um, and Chris, we, we've talked about this a number of times on, the, uh, on, on previous episodes mm -hmm. about Collider, mm -hmm. a decision. 
Yes, they've signed apparently. And we haven't got very much to say about it, to be honest, because yeah. I've had like a two minute conversation with the guys at Collider when I bumped into them earlier today. But um, So the background to this is this is the famous tech hub at Castle House. Uh, there was a very long delay in sorting out the contract between yeah. Sheffield City Council and Collider Projects mm-hmm. because of all the ins and outs of state aid and giving government funding to private companies. But yep. the story went into the Sheffield Star this week. A deal has been done. Mm-hmm. They're talking about having the building open in 2019. Yeah. Which is not great, yeah, would, but I, at least they're moving. We don't know how much work they still need to do. I mean, in, in the article, it was, oh, now the money's released, they can start the, the fit out. But I know they've been doing work on the, we know they've been doing, doing work on the building for at least a year. Yeah. Um, Obviously, looking at the photos, there's still there's still parts of what we saw a year ago that haven't been touched yet, mm. um, and so there's obviously a lot of work to, to do still, and there's a lot of the specific fit out, I guess. Yeah. Um, talking very briefly to um, Adrian and, and Nick this um, this morning, they they're being very focused on what it is that they're providing, um, and. You know, they, they can't provide all things for all people and do everything. It's, you know, 90,000 square feet of, of space, basically. Um, but they are looking to work with partners to provide some of those other things. Uh, and so there, there, there are going to be opportunities to do stuff in that space. We don't know what those opportunities are yet, and we need to sit down with them and have a proper conversation with them, which we can now do because the contract has been signed. So um, we're looking to fix up a, a, a time to go and see them and and um see where they where they are and and what their plans are immediately and and what they're no longer doing after things that they potentially said they could be doing a year ago or six months ago um and then we'll report back and and let people know what the uh what the deal is um with a bit more i guess a a little bit more insight than what is likely to be published in the star and, Mm. and and business press yeah I'd also like to add into this that I've been having conversations with lots of other people who are also looking at That's true. opening up some sort of space and probably things that could happen a little bit faster so that we won't just be sitting waiting. Um, in particular, Tom Wolfenden at Sheffield Tech Parks, uh, you will have seen the little video I put on Twitter where um, they're refurbishing part of the first floor to turn that into like a mini tech hub so it'll be you know some co-working space and meeting room space and tom hopes to have that open in april Mm -hmm. which i'm really excited about because you know finally there'll be a place to go um i've had meetings with various uh workspace provider type companies who um are based in london and who are looking at northern cities Mm -hmm. as potential places for expansion the floor of acero just went did you see that? Yeah, and a, a Flora Vesera, although um, I don't know anything more about it other than they've taken a floor. We're not quite sure what. Yeah, it's a workspace company called Spaces that provide co co working right, yeah. and and incubation space. Yeah. Um, so they're probably going to do a funky fit out in a, in Acero, which obviously is a brand new building. And that shouldn't take very long to do. And I am also going to a meeting at Sheffield City Council next Friday on this topic. I can't say much more about that. Um, every time this meeting invitation gets rescheduled, the purpose of the meeting shifts slightly. <laughs> but I'm hoping that I will have some interesting stuff to report after that meeting as well. I quite like that uh, our episode on cybersecurity, we've had some lots of stuff that we can't talk about. <laughs> yes, it's all extremely secret this week. <laughs> That's right. Um, city centre Wi-Fi? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can't really talk about this either. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. go on. Is, is, is there a password that we can all have? <laughs> it's very long and I can't remember it. Um, no, I'm, I'm talking. Um, I'm talking to the guys at IDAC and the council later today about um, what the plans for the for the Wi-Fi are. Not so much the technical infrastructure plans, but the kind of software platform, um, data policies, security, those those kind of things. Um, basically, the the things that we um, expressed were in, important to the community in the open letter that we wrote to the council about the Wi-Fi just over a year ago, like mm. January last year. Um, so, as you know, as people know, the, the deal has been signed. It, you know, it's been it's been reported in the press, um, and there's a lot of people 
concerned about um, use of personal data and the business model that underlies it. And I want I want to um, be able to put out um, an article about what the Wi-Fi is going to be like, what the intention is. Um, and I've had obviously I've been talking to the guys at the council and at IDAC about it, but I've got uh, a meeting this afternoon to kind of go through that and get the le their latest thinking and get approval for what I can write about to make sure that I'm accurate yeah. in what I say. Um, and then hopefully we'll get that published in the next week or two. Mm -hmm. um, so is that. I'm also seeing them about progressing.chef, which is the um, Sheffield Digital Coalition and the stuff that came out of, our, of the conference, the alpha version of the digital conference we ran in November. Um, we've got all the videos from that and content, which is all great. Um, we need uh, approval to publish it, whether we publish it on the Sheffield Digital website now. Obviously, there's a .chef website being built as well. I'm also talking to Mark Gannon about how that program is going to be funded going forwards. Um, and we're hoping that the that they can find some budget to get a coordinator in to drive it because it's yeah. not our program, it's the, it's the city's it's program. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm talking about a few other things as well. There was... Um, Chef, there was a, um, a smart city kind of summit um, in Bratislava a couple of weeks ago that um, Sheffield was at, and there's going to be a return visit. So a bunch of Slovakian government and technology people are coming over to Sheffield and want to meet. Um, but I'm not sure really what that's about. Um, and um, I'm also we also put in or in investigating, there's a there's a um, Future Cities Catapult and British Standards Institute pilot program to get um, kind of smart city kite mark certification. Um, and we're looking to see whether uh, it's worthwhile Sheffield applying to that program. Um, whether we think that the framework they're looking at is a sensible one, whether we think the process of getting certification is onerous and weighing that up against whether being part of the initial pilot to establish the kite mark would be a good thing for Sheffield to do in terms of its profile and connections and stuff. So. Stuff. Great. Um, and again, in previous episodes, we talked about um, making progress with a, a meetup for uh, kind of a women in tech meetup. Um, and we, that happened? That did well. Lunch happened. Sort of. Really good lunch happened. Um, <laughs> sort of. Basic sort of. Well, was, the reason I say sort of was because uh, I think like on the last episode, you talked about there was going to be, you were having a meeting kind of to, de to, to decide what it would be. Yeah. So that, that was what yeah. I meant by sort of. So um, a, a bunch of us got together, had lunch to talk about what would we, what do we think a women in tech initiative or program or whatever needs to be um is it just a meetup is it something more and there were so many ideas around the table and loads and loads of enthusiasm but one of the things we identified was there's a lot of stuff already going on and we need to map that out and be clear on that and then look at what needs supporting uh, where the gaps are if there are any duplications that kind of thing so um Various people have taken various actions away from that meeting. There's a big shared document being put together of this is what we know that is going on, which we'll make public so that people can add to that and, and we can map out. Um, we're trying to pull together a big list of anyone who's been interested in being kept up to date on this stuff. And I think the next thing will be to have another kind of meeting, but in some kind of a working format so that we can actually identify, okay, here are some things that we want to work on, whatever those might be. And then people can align themselves with, okay, that really interests me. I think I've got something to contribute. I want to be part of a group to make that happen. And then other people may choose something else. What I'm trying really, really hard not to do is do it all myself because I can't and it won't happen. So I'm as much as possible trying to encourage people to pick up the things that they're interested in and figure out for themselves how to make it happen. And then Sheffield Digital can be the, the point of communication and making sure everyone knows what's going on and pointing people in the direction of initiatives and things that they might be interested in. Are there, are there any roles in particular that would be kind of looking for people to take up? 
is a bit early yet to say, but I'm sure that there will be. Um, and what I would say is, it. I've, I've said this before, if you're interested in this and we're not already in contact, then please get in contact with me and let me know if you're happy to be on a big list to be kept informed about what's going on. Mel at Sheffield.digital. Mel at Sheffield.digital. Fantastic. Um, Sheffield College? Very briefly, um, Sheffield College apprenticeships, this is one of these things that I haven't got round to yet. I promised I would write up uh, what happened at the last meeting of employers. Uh, I will do that. I will make that, publish that so that everyone can see. There are plans to have another meeting of employers sometime in April, but no date's been firmed up yet. And they are still very much on track to start offering the apprenticeships in September, which will mean that recruitment to the apprenticeship programme will be, need to start fairly soon. So that's really as much as I've got to say. Apologies for not getting the stuff written up yet. <laughs> that's all right you'll let me off i think so <laughs> thanks um and okay so some upcoming events what's happening in the next uh, few weeks or two or three weeks um so into march on the 6th it is uh, another dotnet chef gonna be a lightning talks edition um on the 13th wordpress sheffield um and then on the 8th of march and on the 15th of march uh, so two uh, two separate events. Is it the same thing twice? It's a two-day workshop and there are still places available. So it's not one or the other, you kind of sign you, you, you go, go for the two days. But I keep banging on about this, but this is going to be so valuable. We, we had, I haven't actually said what it is. It's the connect. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I asked the question halfway through my sentence. It's my fault. Uh, it's the Connected Manufacturing Workshop. Okay. Um, lots of detail on our website about this. But if you are the least bit interested in exploring what the opportunities are in manufacturing for digital businesses, it's worth making the time to go to these events because you're going to learn so much. You're going to get to meet real life manufacturers. You get to go on a tour of a manufacturing facility. And there is um, a really good evening event with Jürgen Meyer at the Cutlass Hall. So you get to go and do that as well so i totally recommend it get signed up there's only a few places left great and then the capital enterprise investor lounge we've we've posted uh uh to the uh, sheffield digital website about this as well i'll put all the uh links to these things in um in the show notes for this episode uh, that's on the 14th of march anything we need to say about it or just go and check out the link go check out the link yeah okay um smart sheffield the Things Network Takeover is on the 19th of March. Anything else, Chris? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's so the Things Network is a, is a kind of co um, community um, owned and built La LoRaWAN network. So Internet of Things for, the, for Cities um, network. And this edition of Smart Sheffield, um, we've invited other people who are running th um, Things Network communities in other northern cities to Sheffield to talk to us about what they're doing there. So it's a big knowledge exchange. So um, there's someone from Liverpool, someone from Manchester, someone from Barnsley, uh, and someone else coming as well. Um, so it's basically a big powwow about Laura Wan uh, in the north um, and how we connect these networks up. So basically it means that you can create um, a device, um, a sensor or actuator, um, and you can deploy it anywhere that there isn't that there's network coverage, um, and ultimately all of these all of these places will connect up so that you could take the device to different cities, and it would work, and you get data from it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, Monday the nineteenth of March. Fantastic, uh, and then Leg Up Social is back on the twenty second of March. Leg Up Social is where um, uh, they pair mentors. Mm -hmm. Also, probably most of you listen to this. Uh, potentially with um, uh, kind of small businesses or people just starting out who've got a great idea and want some advice on yeah. what to do next. Social enterprises. Yes, good point. Um, and um, and lots of other meetups too. Yeah, um, uh, just a couple more dates that I wanted to um, mention. Um, there are two mentor dates at the two UTCs coming up. Mm. Um, 6th of March at UTC Olympic Legacy Park. Um, so it's, it's kind of... Um, 
that one is, is around sort of interview training. So any tech people who want to go and sort of mock interview some students from the UTC on Tuesday, the 6th of March, will be very, very welcome. Um, get in touch with us on Slack or, or email or whatever, and we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, and the other one is uh, UTC here in the, at City. There's a, a mentor morning on the 16th of March, Friday the 16th. So that's for the um, creative and digital media kids. So anyone working in animation or web design, games, um, it's just a chance to go and be, be kind of matched up with kids that are interested in that subject and talk to them about what it's like to work in the industry and give them an insight. It's These kind of things are incredibly valuable, like giving giving kids in our city that aren't ever exposed to what we do mm. in, in our industry an opportunity to actually meet people who work in it. Um, that's that's it's crucial. So I'd encourage anyone who wants to just spend half an hour talking to a 15 or 16 year old kid about what they do. It's really rewarding. And you, you often learn as much as you impart. Indeed. And if anyone is listening and feels like they've not been mentioned, the way I basically take these from the uh, Sheffield Digital Calendar. So we recently wrote a post that describes how you get your meetup or events onto that calendar you basically just put it on Sheffield open tech calendar Sheffield and uh, and it automatically goes through so um, feel free to add your um, event to that and it will come straight through um, and I think that's it apart from to say a big thank you to our members so we have two new uh, individual members since we last recorded uh, that's Matt Hanwell and David Parsons big thank you to them yay Indeed, if you'd like to be a supporter and, um, and, and join them, there are loads and loads of different ways of doing it, loads of different plans available on the uh, Sheffield Digital website. Just go to slash membership or memberships, I'm not sure. Try them both. <laughs> and, um, you could tap on buttons as well if you want. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and there are company uh, memberships and, uh, and uh, individual ones too. Um, our sponsors, big thanks to them, Shorts, the Sheffield College, North Coders and Benchmark. Um, and another to be announced shortly. I think we did that accidentally last week, didn't we? Or on the last episode. Probably. Yeah. But we'll be doing it properly soon. Something yeah. else we can't talk about. Indeed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, more no, secret yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, if you play this episode backwards, all of this information is actually... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, if you've enjoyed listening, uh, then uh, why not subscribe to the Sheffield Digital Podcast? You can do that in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, any app that you particularly like to listen to podcasts with. Um, and you can find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast where all of our previous episodes uh, can be found too. And, uh, and tell people, always say this, make sure you tell people about it. Um, if you uh, know someone, which you probably do, who also works in, uh, in digital in, in Sheffield and you think that they might find this interesting, let them know. Um, and that's it. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks a lot. Peace.